Welcome to Open Mic with me, Mike Creed, your host and probably a personal God and I'm not going to say Savior, I'm just going to say with God. I'm say it's a God, like a, like, a, like a welcoming God or a loving God, but just a God. Like guide through life. I haven't introduced you yet. Alright, stop it. No. You haven't, that didn't happen. You haven't, anyway... God's talking. You guys are enjoying. This week on the uh, podcast, Catherine Catherine Bertrine Bertrine Bertine Bertine Bertine. I think I never asked her. I'm a little dyslexic, <clears throat> a little messed up. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to speak yet. <clears throat> uh, God, this podcast is going downhill. Uh, well, let's start at the bottom and yeah. taper off. Everybody, you guys know who that is. I joke. I jest. That is my mechanic. My second mic. Chris Creedle. Creedle. Chris Creedle. Uh, Creedle. Uh, let's go with Creedle. This makes us sound related. Okay. Uh, Catherine uh, came out with a movie, <coughs> Half the Road. I gave her some shit on this podcast about not inviting me to it. Then she invites me to it. We show up like a normal movie, uh, you know, only five, ten tell. I didn't want to waste time with all the commercials and the and trailers. You know what? And we don't, you and I, we don't trust ourselves in that concession stand. Yeah. How much junk food are we gonna buy? Oh, and they sell beer. And they sell beer, and you know, you and I, we're trying to keep, we're trying to slim down, we're trying to look nice. You look great, Mike. You do too, buddy. Thanks. And uh, we get there. What happens? Fucking sold out. This this woman, all she does is complain about how they don't get equal treatment. Hello? I didn't see any men selling out movies the other night. Women are on easy street. No more women's causes for the world. Women are now better than men. <laughs> so, uh, I can't give you guys a movie review, but everybody I talked to said the movie was really good. So, I'm going to assume that it... Uh, it's as great as everybody's saying it is. And when it comes out on DVD, I'll make sure to watch it. This podcast, like all other podcasts in the world, every podcast in the world. Everyone worth listening to, anyway. Yeah. Is sponsored by Cardo Cyclist. Um, I know every week I say that we're going to work out something to get you guys some kind of swag or gifts for, you know, a competition to show our love to Cardo Cyclist. Unfortunately, this team camp directing thing uh, sucks up a little bit of energy, but uh, I, got, I got a couple free weeks coming, so hopefully uh, that thing, that we can actually do that. Um, first race of the year, Dominican Republic, I am not going to because I value um, my time and not others, so I'm gonna send some plebeians. Some Me. Smucks. Prado, <laughs> what are you gonna do in the DR? Can you, like, are you looking forward to anything? I don't know the first thing about it. I know that it's an island. Yeah. And I know that I don't usually care for large bodies of water. Really? Yeah, I'm not a beach guy. Oh, okay. Um, 
But it, it seems odd to have an eight-day stage race on an island, a small island as well, because there's only so many roads to pick from. It's only six riders, and maybe you'll have time to look at a beach if you wanted to. I'll probably just look at the internet. You're just going to look at the <laughs> All right. Carl, how did camp go? You got 20 seconds. How did it was great. I really liked it. I had a good time. Did you have a good time? I think you had a good time. We did. I think we bonded. I might have. We missed Astrid. Yeah. We needed her. We needed her after camp. It's going to be great here. I miss you, Astrid. Miss you. Is that the same car, man? Did you look high? Yeah. Just lick it or something. All right. Be cool, be cool. License and registration. Uh, officer, I know that... Uh... License and registration, please. It's registration. You know how fast you were going? What? How fast you were going. I was 65. 63. Officer, isn't, isn't the speed limit 65? Yeah, it is. Where are you boys headed? Canada. C Canada? We're going over the border to Canada for some french fries and gravy, sir. Poutine. Canada, huh? Almost made it. <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, sure. Yes, sir? Yes, sir. Now, did you say yes, sir? I think he said, yeah, sure. What'd you say, man? Well, I said, yeah, sure, but what, literally what I said was, yeah, sure, sir. So you are okay, then? Yes, sir. You smell something, rabbit? Fear. Now hand over that registration. Yes, sir. My mother's gonna kill me. This is fucked up, man. This shit is fucking crazy. <laughs> shit, man. I was just about to pull out my nine and put a cap in that pig's ass. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. License and registration, please. But I, I just gave you it, officer. License and registration. You know how fast you were going? Uh, 65? 63. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man.
The good thing with the small mic is that, because, yeah, I could, like, get the big mics with the pop covers and everything like yeah. this, but it's, I think well, at least with that, you kind of eventually, hopefully get comfortable with it. Definitely. Instead of whatever. So how long did you, how long did the movie take to shoot? Like, wow. Um, was it your idea for a movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um... It kind of came about two, maybe two years ago. So I have this background in journalism. Yeah. I was working for ESPN and then for ESPNW, their women's segment. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> is that like a, just going to it real quick, is it like one hand, it's nice that they do that, but on the other hand, it's like you're just pushing it over to the side? Or? That's exactly it. I yeah. mean, I think anybody who's a real sports fan, they want to hear about sports and about yeah. Athletes that are interesting and why it has to be segregated by gender is... That is placating you by putting you off to the side. Yes. You know you got your own special little thing. Yeah, exactly. Stop exactly. <laughs> it is, it's an interesting dynamic. That's exactly how I felt. Does ESPNW still exist? Like, what, did it exist as a channel or as a... Web, web, website. A, web um, a website and they do, you know, some video as well, but it doesn't have its own channel that could be interesting if it did at least that might break into the the sports media for women on tv yeah but, but then you'd almost be giving them ammo like if it if it didn't take off right away they could say like look this isn't working it's blah, all blah. about the ammo that's exactly you're setting you up to fail kind of you yeah. totally get it that's and that's what it was i was working for them and and i got to um as an editor at that point this was like 20 2011 um i got to pick out some really cool sports and people and I went after that kind of human interest stuff of So this is when you tried to make the Olympic team? Yeah, this is um, after I guess after and during. So I tried in 2008 and that was for ESPN. Because the, I, I remember seeing you at the Carl Springs Velodrome. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. I, me I remember that and people told me uh, what you were doing. So, <laughs> so like, uh, who's that weird girl with the cameraman? <laughs> I don't think you were there with the camera that day. I just remember uh, seeing you. So, you have to excuse me because at that point you're like, you're a highly narcissistic athlete. So you just kind of briefly uh. see stuff. <laughs> you briefly hear of other stuff, but you don't really look into it because you're concert and putting your legs up i know so I tell know. me about how that so that came about the short story for that uh that part was that i was hired in 2006 as a journalist for espn they knew at that point i had been a triathlete and i was a, i was a pro triathlete but a very middle of the pack slash back of the pack pro level so okay. not a household name yep. and uh they said okay what what would happen if we took a good but not great athlete could could that person get to the Olympics in two years if they picked a sport and tried? And their whole philosophy was, we want to see how the Olympics. When you say that, you mean ESPN? ESPN. Yep. yep. ESPN wanted to see if that was possible to get to the Olympics in two years. Okay. Because their whole question came about with, you know, how how challenging are the Olympics these days? When we see sport on TV, the best of the best make it look easy. And then there are all these obscure sports. Well, I should say only obscure to North Americans, sure. but super popular around the world, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. people were saying, well, we want to see, you know, if any of those fringe sports really 
are easy or difficult. Could so. we do them when, when people look at the TV and say, oh, I can do that? Exactly. Correct. Is that true? Can yeah. that happen? Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, we need somebody who's an athlete of at least some sort of caliber to sure. not be a total joke. Not, not a big mess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, boy, did they pick the wrong person. <laughs> no. So, no, I have to say I, I think they chose wisely in the sense that I did have a, a degree in writing, and I was a journalist at that point. So I knew, you know, my yeah. way around the journalism world, and I also had the the writing or sure. the, the sorry the triathlon at that point so I jumped in I tried a bunch of the quote-unquote fringe sports like oh um team handball which is like soccer but with your hands sure. and it's mo the most popular sport in Europe you know even women over there can make like six-figure salaries really? on major handball teams really? And here, of course, nobody knows what it is, but it's this amazing cross between like dodgeball and. I always feel so bad for the goalie in that because I've never <laughs> seen the goalie stop a ball in my life. No. I've never seen it. Like, if, I was, if you're normally like you took one of the most capable athletes and put them in the goalie, but I feel like if, if you're the goalie on a handball team, you're just the worst. Hopefully, maybe they accidentally throw it at you. <laughs> and it just bounces. It just bounces, away. and you could pretend like you blocked it. I, I have to was tell too, you, was that too physical? Or it was so physical, yeah. especially coming over from sport like yeah. triathlon, where your whole goal is to not touch anybody else, not have any physical these contact. Are just swinging elbows and, and stuff. there are these elbows, and these are women that had been brought up playing basketball yeah. and and um, you know fierce competitive contact yeah. sports. And so, you know, all I could do was, was kind of cower in the middle and just... You immediately I was, was like, this isn't the one. I, this, this, isn't. this is not the... But I tried. I tried so hard. How long did you try for? So I went to their um, national team training camp for a week. Yeah. And um, I was invited to that, you know, and the only thing that I could do was their running test. Sure, of course. After yes. that, everything else I was like scoring a zero on. With all these different sports that you tried, did you get any resentment from some of the athletes to be like, oh, you think you just walk in? Yes, I did. And I think that was really an important part of the story, too. Never this rude resentment of in your face, you know, come up to me and say anything. I think, sure. they, I think every athlete um, that might have felt that truly relaxed when they saw how poor I was at their <laughs> sport. <laughs> so they're, they're like, oh, what do you think you are? Oh, no, no, never mind. She's cool. <laughs> Let's Look, help her out. You're here to boost my ego, not diminish it. I basically sustained an entire Olympic team's <laughs> ego from... <laughs> but it was... It was interesting because I think eventually, you know, once the book came out and they saw that I truly portrayed their sport with respect, yeah. then I think um, I gained back any any credibility or any fear that they might have had that I would have said, hey, you sure. know, this is easy. But there is a funny story to that because it all started when ESPN, the first thing they said was like, and the whole reason it came about was because two guys in the office of ESPN were watching the luge. And the Winter Olympics. You're saying you just lay there. You just lay there and you say, wee, and you collect a medal and all is well. And they said, that's easy. And then somebody else was like, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard that is? They're going 90 miles an hour. Yeah. If like you turn your earlobe the wrong way, you're going to crash, yeah. you know? And so that was where the debate came from. So 
they sent me um, to try the luge, but which they would sent be really two guys sent a woman to do it. <laughs> yeah, and even better, they're like, "Hey, you're gonna try out for the Summer Olympic Games, so go try the luge." I'm like, "Well, that's setting me up to fail. That's a winter sport." Yeah. <laughs> but I, what they did at that point it was very early on, and somebody was editing the captions for the photos, other than me. Sure. And one of these photo editors made a crack that was like, you know, oh, Catherine's trying to find the equivalent, the summer equivalent of the two-man luge. So they made this kind of derogatory comment toward luge. And sure enough, the luge, U.S. Luge Federation saw, saw that. And rightfully so, they think Held that I wrote you. it yeah. because, you know, it's my column. So, yeah. um, so they write in, they're like, you know, all right, Miss Bertine, you think this is easy? Oh, Jesus. Get your ass up to Lake Placid. They didn't say quite that, sure, but that's but what I read. <laughs> when they say, don't worry about it, we're going to take care of you. And yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to set you up and laugh at you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they invite me up to Lake Placid. And it ended up being the most incredible yeah. incredible um, journey to try this and I can tell you I mean Mike I've never been so beat up even in the sport of cycling like with falling on asphalt yeah. I, I came out of the luge camp like bruised and battered wow. from sliding into the walls because if you're not steady and yeah. you don't know what you're doing yeah. you hit the wall and it ricochets you into the next wall yeah. and so you come out with like these knuckles that are like yeah. purple mountains it's crazy and and um but what was awesome from all of that was i got to to really portray how hard the sport was and now the luge federation and i we're, we're bffs we yeah. are total best friends and um the two guys that were in charge of teaching me doubles luge they've actually just qualified for the olympic team oh, in yeah. sochi so yeah. it's uh, it's great to see that kind of how many, how many sports did you end up trying? I tried six before cycling. Before cycling? Before cycling. And it was very apparent to me <laughs> as I was doing these. Like, these are great. I'm having so much fun learning these sports. But mm -hmm. uh, we need to stick to something that I actually know how to do. Right. And I had been racing. In my triathlon career, I was racing Ironman and half Ironman races. So not the Olympic distance, which is a much faster thing. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't my... my um, my build that yeah. wasn't my bag yeah. <laughs> so they uh so triathlon was out but my strongest event in triathlon had been cycling so i said all right this is what i'm going to try because i know how to do it at least on a very physical level sure. i know how to ride a bike and i knew from the get-go that that it was going road racing would be so different you know from from this but i actually tried track cycling first um, and I reached out. Yeah. Do you know Colby Pierce? Of course. Yes. yes. So I reached out to him and and said, "Could I could I try this?" And he actually invited me to a track cycling camp, which was filled with all the pro and Cat One women. And here I was, a cat nothing at the time. Yeah. You know, wearing my little flowered jersey and you know yeah. bike shorts that just I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah. um, Colby and the women there were actually really nice. Probably especially nice because they're like, oh, <laughs> she's no threat. Sure. She's no, you know, no track cyclist. But um, that was great. That was the Lipton and T-Mobile yeah. era. Um, and it was clear to me that as an endurance athlete, the track was not my, my venue. But I asked Colby, I said, what do you think about road cycling? And he very kindly and very nicely said, that's extremely difficult, but technically it's doable. Like, 
you you could have a shot, but it's you know the steps that are in place of going from a cat nothing to trying yeah. to make an Olympic team. It's an eight to ten year progression. Right, and I had eighteen months at right. that point. Right. So um, all I knew that I had to do at that point was try, um, you know, wholeheartedly and and really do the best that I could do without taking advantage of, um, or you know, take not taking advantage, but without taking for granted this gift. Can you imagine, like? Yeah, I'm sure we can. Any of us in cycling, we know the struggle that it takes to try to get to the highest level yeah. within the sport or to get noticed, you know. And um, here I was. I had this amazing gift where I was financially backed by ESPN. So I didn't need to work. I just had to ride my bike yeah. and write about it. And if I took that for granted in any way and didn't put full effort into that, then it would have been a real, you know... Slap. wouldn't have done the peace service. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have worked. And what I didn't realize was that I was going to fall totally in love with the sport. So when the ESPN assignment ended, and I guess this is definitely not giving anything away since it's like six years later, but I didn't make, <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't make the team in 20, uh, 2008. Um, I did try. I learned the procedure of gaining UCI points, and um, I ended up racing, and I still represent another country. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I did. I was going to ask you about that. How did that process go? Because, I mean, obviously at that time they had like Chris and Armstrong. And oh, yeah. Had, like, so it was a pretty, I mean, not only did you have an eight-year progression, but you also had a strong year, a strong team that year. Oh, so, exactly. And I, mean, I didn't know what I was doing yeah. to, you know, add did all you, those. Did you look at several different countries or did you just automatically know that this was a country that you could do? No, I looked at, uh, I... It's funny to use the term, did I look at these countries? It's more like I put myself out there and what countries looked at me back. So how do you put yourself out there? So um, I, well, when I didn't make the U.S. team, I should start there. Because when I didn't make the U.S. team in terms of, I went to nationals. You know, I, I'd been racing a bike for six months and I was able to force and claw my way up to category two okay. and qualify for U.S. nationals. And I came in in the exact middle of the bunch like 35th out of 70, sure. you know? And I was like, on one hand, okay. And the road race or time trial? Or both. Not? The same place in both. Come on, really? Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> you can't plan that. So it was really, really interesting. 35th in both. And, of course, that's not the top three you need to catch the eye of, of sure. Jim Miller and USA Cycling. Yeah. So um, uh, that was it. I was what I thought was done, and I went back to ESPN, and they had been talking about it in the offices, they being my editors there, and I walked in, and, and they kind of had this little smirk on their face, and they're like, well, you know, well, okay, so you didn't qualify for the Olympics at U.S. Nationals, but, uh, you know, maybe you can find another country to race for, and the way that they said it was kind of like that little... Like they knew something more than no. It was like it was like they were kind of trying to twist the knife a little bit. Like, yeah. why don't you go try that? You're not done. Yet. It'll never happen. You're sure. not done. It'll never happen. But we are enjoying watching you flounder. Yeah. <laughs> so, I thought, all right. You know, at first, I at first I wasn't okay with it at all. I'm like, okay, my family's been here since the Mayflower, so there are really no ways that I could have any bloodline. Yeah. Um. And to another country. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to, if I'm really going to do this, the first and foremost thing is that it has to be respectful. You can't 
ever consider going into another country where, say, there is a development team of, of young cyclists and or any cyclists, take a spot, yeah. barge in, try to take a spot with better equipment or whatever it might be, that'd be horrible. And yeah. that was not what I would even be okay with trying. Yeah. So I uh, instead, I said, let me go to the list of UCI-related countries um, you know, that are affiliated with the UCI. And I'm going to find the ones that don't have a women's team. They're just male affiliated only. And maybe, just maybe, what I can do throughout this process is give back by helping create a women's team yeah. or a youth team yeah. or club, whatever it takes to get women on bikes in that country. Yeah. And I said, that's the only way that this can Feel work. Like karmically clean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and of course, at first, you know, there's the selfish aspect because you can't simultaneously try to go for Olympic qualification points and build a team. Right. So, right. you know, I did have to put myself first. Yeah. Um, so I put this, uh, this enormous like kind of chain email. I put it all out there. I, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Yes, I'm a journalist, but dear God, I love this sport. Yeah. I, I really want this opportunity to try. And what a lot of people didn't realize at that point was that, and this is still true today, even if you race for another country or a quote unquote small country that, you know, small in the cycling sense, um, you don't get an automatic Olympic berth. You have to, still have to, qualify, you that have to qualify that nation. Yeah, exactly. So, and that means you have to go to the UCI races, get you know, and then for women, you have to place in the top eight at some races. Some races you have until the top 12. Um, but these are 200 strong races yeah. in Holland and Belgium. Yeah. And, um, you know, the top 12 kind of keeps circulating those points almost among themselves. And um, then there's this weird clause, too, where uh, technically you could get into these races as a single rider um, by being, you know, adapted to a composite team. But then the UCI also discourages composite teams. Yeah. So not every race has composite teams. Yeah. So it's this weird catch-22. Yeah. And it's really stacked against the smaller countries. But I was like, okay, whatever I can do to try. And so I sent out this email. And I got, I got a, a bunch of just bounce back things. You know, nothing was getting through from my AOL account. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it wasn't making it to, like, Iran and to those countries. <laughs> and um, then some countries just laughed. They were like, no, we're not taking you. Try harder in your own country. <laughs> I still wish you would qualify for Iran. That would have been the... <laughs> dude. That would have been that would have been really did you hot. You try North Korea. You know, it's funny. I did. <laughs> I tried every country. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. And um, all of them. And uh, you know, and I heard nothing yeah. for two, three weeks. Then one day, I'm sifting through my spam folder, and there. In my spam folder is a you know kind of a return email that I'm recognizing, and sure enough, it's the country of Saint Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean, and their cycling federation. The guy who runs that, he's well versed in marketing. He understands where I'm coming from, from both the ESPN angle and the athlete angle, and he said, "I I would like to meet you. I'm intrigued by this," and uh, that was back in 2008. And what ended up happening was, you know, he. He and I got along immediately, and we, we saw that we could be mutually beneficial to one another yeah. and create something for, for St. Kitts and Nevis. And he said, look, I, I'd love to give you 
a license. I mean, technically, I can give you a piece of paper and you can race for us, but that's not going to carry any weight unless you're granted the dual citizenship. Yeah. And, and he's like, I'm not a member of parliament in my country. I can't just give you that, but we can try. And, um, and we met with the premier, which is like a vice president, and um, we met with him, and he kind of got the message of what we were trying to do. And he said, well, I can take it to the cabinet and to the president. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to go to you know, the prime minister of this country yeah. and try to get this passed. And it has to pass unanimously. And, oh, my God, can, like, can that even happen? Yeah. And um, then, of course, if you're familiar with the concept of island time... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> now, this is de this is January of 2008, right? So the Olympics are, are what, eight months away. Yeah. And, um, and I know that the qualifying deadline for the, for the UCI points is at the end of May. And nobody knows I exist, so that's also a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, three, one month goes by, then another month, and then in early March... I'm riding down Mount Lemmon. I'm here, you know, back in the U.S. because all I can do is train yeah. for, for a yes. What if they say yes? And I get word that my dual citizenship was approved and I can now race for St. Kitts and Nevis. And I was just amazed by this. And I had been reaching out, a friend of mine and I had been reaching out to every race director on the UCI calendar saying, can we get into this race? Can we get into this race? We're translating everything through Google Translate, trying to you know get get me into these races, and I end up getting into four UCI races in Uruguay, El Salvador, Venezuela, and China. Wow! And not like not next to each other regionally. It'd be like China, yeah. Venezuela, like right. China, Uruguay. <laughs> it was yeah. crazy, and I went on this six-week quest of trying to get these points. Now keep in mind, at this point, I'd been racing like about a, maybe a year. I'd gone from cat four to cat one in a year. I'm still like pinning my race numbers on upside down and not really knowing what I'm doing other than using like just kind of strength and, and um, ignorance to my advantage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and here I am racing with, with Marianne Vos in El Salvador. And people are like, that's Marianne Vos. And I'm like, oh, she seems nice. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even know or have the awareness of, of... Sometimes it helps. Oh, it totally helped. Now, it didn't help enough. So I didn't get yeah. the points that I needed in six weeks. I didn't get any points yeah. um, for, like, you know, the reason I said I was up against the best and they were yeah. so much better. Um, but as soon as that trial ended in, in 2008, I, I didn't want to stop. I was like, yeah. oh. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in love with road cycling, and and I want to be good, and I want to know what I'm doing. And did you did you fall in love with the progression too? Yes. Most humans, I think, if we saw that we're getting really better at, you know, shuffling cards, we'd shuffle cards a lot more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was that process, but you're right. I mean, when I was in the thick of it for ESPN, and I had a job to do, and it was very like. You gotta do it now, 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 because the Olympics were coming. Um, I didn't pause and and realize what a gift it was until I had a moment to breathe from that yeah. afterward. And then that's when the love really hit me. Like, whoa, that yeah. was crazy. And you had to come back into the real world a little bit to realize how good you had it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I got back into whatever weird world that I live in, you know, and and it hit me then and. 
I and wish I, I could just be on my bike training for the Olympics right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'd and so much easier. Wouldn't that, that'd be so much easier. If anything, anything would be easier than like a life in freelance. Too. I wish I could fly to El Salvador right now. <laughs> um, that one, not so much. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. It was such a crazy journey yeah. to, to, you know, have that and be able to, you know, capture it. Is that what led into uh, the half the road? Yes. So, where, where, where did that concept come from? Well, after I had been, I, you know, I stepped back, um, not from the racing. I continued to race. Yeah. No longer on ESPN's budget, but on my own. You know, did, were you still freelancing for I, ESPN. I was still freelancing, but not to the extent that I was covered. So now I was in the real world. Now yeah. I was a female cyclist trying to make it to the pro team you know, yeah. level yeah. and doing everything that we have to do to make that yeah. happen. And, and, but what really stuck with me through that part of the journey was, wow, look at what the women do have to go through. Not, and, and I don't mean to say that the men don't have no, to either, totally yeah. but, um, you know, to, to be seen or recognized at, and taken to that next level, I, I saw how the cards were stacked against us and also for the small countries trying to get anywhere yeah. how like how is a third world country going to make it over to Europe for for the block of UCI races that they can't even get into right. you know there were all these flaws and i thought things that could very easily be changed if the UCI looked at it and i started peeling back the layers and I was like, wow, we really are considered such second-class citizens to the men's side of the sport. Mm -hmm. Why is that? And that's really when the documentary idea started. That coupled with the fact that I had been working with the SPNW, and I saw this trend toward, you know, they're going to, they were, they were publishing more articles on mainstream athletes and not, and kind of veering away from all the people and the sports that I thought were really interesting. And that was part of it too. Like, okay, well, if you're not gonna, you know, give me the ability to write more about sports like cycling, then maybe we need to show it, you know, mm -hmm. in a in a new medium. And so then I thought, okay, maybe a movie's the best way to do that. When you say that they took you away from writing about people you thought were interesting, well, who they mainstream like what were well they? if you think about that symbiotic relationship of, of publishing and sponsorship say any any major corporation but let's say you know ESPN sure. um, if they're if their women's um, side of ESPN is being backed by like Nike and Gatorade and Procter and Gamble projects then those athletes that, that are sponsored that umbrella are that's, gonna get taken care of. they're they're gonna get a lot more recognition yeah um, media recognition than than other sure. athletes and that's sure. what you know i kind of had that aha moment but all the while knowing how fascinating and these other people were. these other people were and yeah. we should what if 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 we could just show that yeah. then then maybe the media it would help us fall into place with the media yeah. you know and of course um and we t i talk about this in the film but the big one is that the uci has to give us those opportunities too what do you mean like how we don't have as many races on the calendar as the men, and mm. um, there are so many men's events that we feel should have a women's field in conjunction. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's great that Flanders and Flesh Malone have have a women's field, but um, they're not even really televised. 
you know. Yeah. It's so. That's why I don't think they should do it on the same day. Like everybody says, like, oh, we want to do the course same day, but it's if you know that they're going to show the last seventy k of the men's race, and that's typically when the women are finishing, like. The media's already in town. Yep. You should do it the day before, maybe. Or the day after, but probably the day before. Because it's... Typically, those races are held on Sundays. And then Saturdays, they have those fondos. Like, there's no reason those fondos can't get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Bump the fondo. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I agree with you. I think there are some races, um, if they're shorter, and it could be held on the same day, great. But you're going to need two camera crews for that. One for the men, one for the women, and you're going to need to figure out the broadcast situation. Yeah. Um, so you're right; it's not going to work on every race. But the races that are long, exactly. That's an, it's easy if if you can add the women's field the day before, or the day after. But how make you, sure. How do you make it? This is speaking purely yeah. ignorantly. Uh, how do you make it so it's not um, where? Because like corporations aren't necessarily evil they're just greedy <laughs> so like if they could if corporations can make millions and millions of dollars by uh adopting uh children then they would do it so how do you make it so because uh, I, I i'm saying this with i don't even know if men's cycling is profitable i doubt right, it right <laughs> how do you make it so like the televising the women's race and doing the second camera crew maybe say that it's not like a donation by the race you know what i mean so like they you don't have to ask them to do it and that you propose the idea and they go oh of course well we're gonna make more money and have more content it's a great question i think the answer truly lies in the fact that the women are asking for the opportunity to bring something to the sport. So we don't want to go to the race directors and say, hey, let us in and give us this. Sure. We want to go and say, hey, guess what? If you open the door and let us in, watch what we can bring to you. And by that, I do mean sponsors. Because mm-hmm. if we have the ability to be on TV, mm-hmm. we will bring in the sponsors that want to be seen in conjunction with us. So you take a race like, you know, the Tour de France and you might be aware we're we're really pushing for, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to have a field at those races. Yes, you're absolutely right. We would have to figure out the right formula for having, if we do have it on the same day, um, how would it work? Yes, we'd have to make their women's race, you know, shorter, or could we also make the men's race shorter? You know, it's, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are interesting choices there. Um, But what a lot of people don't realize is the women, if we had to get up and race at six o'clock in the morning to ensure, we'd do it. Yeah. You know, any we'd do it. That's just we want to race. So yeah. if we can have that kind of drive and commitment, but also bring these sponsors on board, we'll do it. So that's the part I think a lot of pushback that we've gotten um, has been from the the thought that oh, the women just want to like tack themselves on to the the package right, right. and. And, you know, reality is, is expensive. Yeah. And we're saying we don't want to tack ourselves on. We want to bring ourselves in as a partner. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I've said it a couple times on the podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to quote myself. I'm just saying that. So quote pe- yourself. Do so it. So people on the podcast who always complain that I talk about the same things. <laughs> I'm acknowledging I've talked about this before. But <laughs> I, I, I find that I think men's cycling, it, it, I... I can't imagine it's profitable. Let's let's say it's slightly profitable, best case. 
I still think it's like, it's a it's a horrible business model. Mm. So like, it's good to hear you say like women don't want to tack on because like I always wince when women say like when they say it and I'm taking the interpretation they want to they want to tag on because it's like you you don't want I mean I agree I understand it's it's the better of these bad options mm-hmm. the men cycling but like there has to be another business model and there has to be something like I you know to yep. to to. I think in a way to use the UCI, the lack of UCI regulations to your advantage yes. and create more exciting race formats and have the men come to you and borrow them from you. And Wouldn't that be amazing? Be yeah. I agree because, you know, if you think about the fact that it works at so many races, look at Tour of the Gila, look at Redlands and you've mm-hmm. got the women, you've got the men there. Of course, those are not televised races but it just goes to show maybe they should be because those are the ones where it does exist and you just Mm -hmm. have to build the right tv package around it um i mean i think there's a lot of corruption at the level of race race directing and and the fact that people aren't really willing to take that chance you know and see that our sport has has evolved that way but i think that's part of what the film um is I, I'm hopeful that that's what yeah. the film will do and kind of show that. And, you know, we, we come down heavy on the UCI, yeah. the past regime. Hopefully there's a changing of the guards. Did you get the change in the guard in the movie? Oh, yeah. Well, here's okay. what's really interesting is um, we, you know, during the bulk of our filming was 2012 and part of 2013. But 2012, you know, that was... Uh, McQuaid's last stand and we just got to know this person named Brian Cookson and sure enough at the at Worlds in 2012 we asked if we could speak to McQuaid because I think it's fair as a documentary filmmaker if you're going to talk to one person and you have a view of that you know aspect of say the UCI we had to give the UCI a chance to speak Um, and so we asked and, and our request to talk to McQuaid was denied but uh, the UCI said, here, you can talk to this guy. This is Brian Cookson. He's head of the road commission. It's a fortunate turn of events. Right? So we sat down and we talked to him. And um, it, was, uh, it was very eye-opening and informative. Cookson says um, a, lot of, a lot of good things. But there are also, when you see the film, there, there are some very clear indications that we are still in this old boy network of, of you know this thinking, this mentality, yeah. and uh, you know, <laughs> we we need to do a lot of work there. And then of course, so I had this interview a year before he started running for the presidency, and when he ran on that platform of wanting to change women's cycling, there's part of me that was like, great, that should be a very valid but platform. But you didn't know how long to trust it. Like, but I, I also I already had, know what you said before this. Has your mind changed? Did you get him back on tape before? No, we didn't get him back after he started running. Started running, yeah. but you know, there's something interesting about seeing someone's true colors before they put on the politician hat. Yeah, and so we have that, you know, uh, kind of available. And um, and what we're hoping is it's it's a, it's an eye opener, and it shows people that like there's still going to be some work to be done. What kind of indications did you see from them that kind of gave you pause? Um, I don't think, and, and honestly, I really hope that he has been educated and has changed his mind, but um, he does not 
fully believe in the physicality of what women can achieve, mm. um, you know, in terms of like, uh, uh, an equal race. Like for example, um, you know, our, our question of, well, do you think women could physically do the tour de France? You know, he, he was pretty adamant and you'll see in the film, he's adamant that no, that it's not, you know, something that the women can do. And for us, that's, that's a real strike because first of all, we don't, believe that and science proves the longer an event the more it caters to the women's ability just because we're built on you know with an endurance factor mm. that's different from mm -hmm. men and it's just it's it's uh, unfortunate in this day and age to see somebody kind of shut down like oh no no they couldn't possibly do that without actually yeah but seeing it's, it's it. such a loaded <laughs> I get it, like, in one way you would say, like, okay, maybe by a greater swath of the untrained public, more women could do it than... More untrained women couldn't do it than untrained men. Mm -hmm. Fine. Mm -hmm. You can make that gross analogy. But, like, how many men can't do the Tour de France? Right. So... Exactly. Like, exactly. Easy. Like, yeah. And, and that's that's what, what pops up a few times. But we want the audience to make their, yeah. you know... It's interesting, though, because I talk... I, did the podcast with Marion Martin. Yes, and yes. She yes. was showing me all these crazy photos, like, where they did the last 80 to 100K, and they did 19 stages. I know. And, I mean, she looked perfectly physically healthy. Yep. Like, any long-term issues? No, and she probably mentioned, too, that, you know, they... Uh, the race chopped off... If they made the women's race shorter, they chopped off the easy flat stage. And they, they would start the women, you know, at like the, the base of the sure, climb and like sure. the hearts of, so it's not like they were giving them a really watered down. Do you think though that you'd want to do it at the same time or would you want your own press? We, I think it, at first, I think it has to exist at the same time. Yeah. I really, really do. Now, like you're saying, would it have to be the very same day? Could it stagger by a day? Right. That stuff, yeah. I mean, we're kind of flexible on. It's like, you know, like if you, if you have a, a, a Cavendish wins the stage at this I just wonder if it would be... I mean, you have to start somewhere, of course. Yeah. I just yeah. wonder if it would be so domineering that it would kind of be... Uh, I, I, think, I guess if you just would want your own standalone event or... But to, to stand alone, people have to know we exist. Yeah, yeah. And I think that has to be the first step. Like, you know, the women's tour in, in the 80s, that, of course, was not televised. Of course, they weren't really televising the men so much so then much, yeah. either. But, you know, that went away because there was no real press around it. So I think that we do need to, um, you know, to stand with the event and the same venue at first. Um, like now, for example, tennis, um, you know if you're turning on the TV during the week of Wimbledon that, um, yes, you might be watching men today, but you know the women are gonna play tomorrow. And that's just, everybody knows that, mm -hmm. right? But we're not at a stage in cycling yet where people even know that that we exist so I think that has to come first and then we can we can say okay now that the public knows women's cycling is there yeah. we can strategize a little bit differently in terms of the, the marketing of you know the venues but what do you think it is about some uh, sports that really hold up for women so like uh, tennis golf uh, of course figure skating gymnastics and even, you know, what's getting huge is uh, I am a casual MMA fan. Yeah. And women, I, uh, the latest UFC, um, the women's fight was the best fight of the night. Like, not even, not even close. I mean, it didn't, I mean, it didn't help that Silva broke his leg on camera, which oh, was, gosh. yeah, it was, <laughs> um, but, uh, 
Ronda Rousey and those. I mean, they. I mean, it was everybody in the bar. Every, where I watched it, everybody was standing up because they 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 really went for it. What do you think it is uh, with those sports where it translates and people and because I mean, like, yeah, this is gonna sound crazy. Let's uh, hear sexist, it, crazy. But, <laughs> Bring on the sexism! I love like, it. <laughs> to to make it um, mainstream yep. popular. You can't cut out 50 or 49% of the demographic, men. Nope. So how do you get men to look at... How come men are... They'll watch, you know, some figure skating, sure. but they'll watch tennis. They'll watch... People who are into golf will watch women golf. Yep. Because it's normal. It's normal now. Like, for us, you know... Um, where cycling is right now, people be like, wait, women are riding bikes? That's foreign to me, you know? I wonder, though, how much of it is... Like, I have this feel, feeling like it's like the male ego where I think if you see something that you know... I think men cyclists can look at women cyclists and think, oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, whether or not it's true, I mean, I'm sure 99.9% of the time it's not true. But, but I think they, they, whereas like you watch women MMA and they're like, no, I wouldn't, <laughs> no, and the tennis, they think no. But maybe that comes with the right media exposure. So for yeah. example, like point, yeah. if you, if you're watching women race around like a little one kilometer flat, you know, loop-de-loo type of, of, yeah. of criterion that isn't interesting maybe to the TV, yeah. TV trained eye, or you don't yeah. know how fast they're going, yeah. that could look like, hey, I can do that, or I can, I can beat those women, you know, fair and square. But if you show them suffering, you know, in the Alps, or, <laughs> yeah, right, right. or you have that wonderful aspect of technology on our side where you can see the, uh, the, the, miles per hour you can see the sure, sure. you know the watts the power those kind of things maybe then you know the male audience would be like hey wait a minute yeah. she's throwing down the same watts as that guy or yeah. close to it whatever yeah, yeah. it might be and hey that's crazy and you get those camera angles where you're up it's in hard some it's pretty hard to watch <laughs> in general like men, oh that's for both things. sides right yeah, exactly it's not people always say like oh that race was exciting but Never, I mean, I know it's a rare thing where you get really. You have to be, um, you have to be a real cycling enthusiast, or you have to really participate to watch a bike race on TV, yeah. men or women, and say, "Oh, that's exciting!" So it's it's gonna. It's there a hard should. Challenge. What do you think? Do you think there should be a media, a better media package built up about the, um, you know, the the personalities? Because I wonder if we I did debate it better. that. Often. Do you? I debate that often because sometimes I get really annoyed with the personalities because just coming from the rider aspect, I was always really annoyed that um, you, the fans would, if uh, the fans always criticize, so it was like if this guy was just really plain and says the really PC generic things, uh, he's either boring or whatever. If he has a little bit of personality, he's cocky or whatever. So, and you know, that leads to riders just shutting down and being insanely boring because right. that's what you get when you when people complain so I so one way I say yeah like that would be good if people got tight if sponsors allowed riders to have a little bit of flair a little bit of edge yep. didn't come down you didn't have to worry about getting your you know thousand dollars a month taken away yep. um 
but in the other times you think like, well, I don't want, you know, 35 minutes of profiles and 10, 15 minutes of an announcer using, you know, pop culture, uh, added, you know, uh, references to try to make the racic, I mean. I know there has to be an in-between because nobody wants like the, you know, those kind of like. I think you have to change cycling, right? Like we have to change the format. We have to make shorter races. Yeah. Different courses. Yep. Maybe I mean women already do it, but I think if for men at least, if you did six man rosters, that would be really interesting. You have two less de- domestiques to just ride on the front and neutralize the race, like. Exactly. Exactly, and that's one of the things we also talk about in the film. Is here we are, the women's side clamoring for, you know, to show that we're equal and that we can do the same distances at the men, as the men. Yeah. But we're also addressing like, well, maybe we should make the men's races shorter. They'd be so much more exciting. Yeah. Emma Pulley goes off on a great tangent on that, you know, and she really shines there because it's true. Like, yeah. Do we need a six-hour stage when the first two and a half to three hours are? Just, you know. Right, right. It's guts out racing for the first 40 minutes, early break goes. And right. And then it's... I mean, those, they serve a purpose because you can't race all out and then... Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I It's it's the debate of like, well, that's the way we always did it. And this is right. what I love about the sport. But, uh, again, to repeat myself constantly, like it's... You don't want to die in a sort of tradition. No, so what are you going to do about like, it, Mike? We don't, yeah, we don't want to become the X Games. <laughs> we don't right. want to light ourselves on fire and jump over fucking, you know, yep. sharks. Yep. But at the same time... Uh, Maybe that's where, I, I think, kind of the, the fresh, you know, the fresh faces of women's cycling, if it's marketed the right way, yeah. could actually do wonders for our whole sport, the men's and the women's side. Yeah. Because if we get that kind of that taste of personality but not you know the um like thanks mom commercials that you know you you see um during the olympics where it's over the top but you know but you're getting personalities and then you've got a fan to root for or you have the the venus and serena of you know cycling where people are like oh I want to tune in and see what happens, whether it's because they want the diehard race action or for some people, they do just want to see about the personalities. Mm -hmm. You know, there are different fans in that regard, but we could cater to that and make this amazing package if we have that ability to kind of breathe a new life into the sport. And I know that that's what the women want too. They want to be, you know, seen as, as this entity that isn't just women cycling, but hey, let's make this whole sport shine because it's just gone through a shitstorm, yeah. you know, in the yeah. past year and cycling's lost fans and it's, um, you know, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't have a conversation with a non-cyclist without, you know, them asking about drugs and doping and Armstrong and it's like, how do we turn that corner? And what if we had a personality or two or hopefully, you know, 20 that rise to the top and create that dialogue of, you know, taking it away from, from those old, old school questions that, you know, we're, we're all just so tired of answering and like, Hey, did you hear about this new person? And we've seen signs of that. You know, Evelyn Stevens is a great example. Yeah. She's fantastic. You know, of course, Vos is amazing and, yeah. and what she's done. And um, it, 
and I'm hoping maybe that the film will, you know, show some of these personalities. Did your, uh, I don't know if I'm using the wrong term, like media background, does you think that helps you have a, a different uh, viewpoint than, than like, cause you, you've always, you've had to be aware of what the general public will consume and want. I guess so, yeah, and that's, uh, for sure, I, I guess that question of why has always been ingrained with me, so I really like kind of picking apart why things are the way they are, yeah. um, and at the same time, too, that, yeah, it's it's enabled me to look at cycling from that way, um, but I think that, you know, one of the most interesting facets that actually stems back to me racing for St. Kitts and Nevis is when I was thinking about making this film, I was like, maybe I am the right person to make this film because I don't have to worry about being chosen for a U.S. national team or, yeah. you know, not being able to speak what my mind or what I really want to say. And because I watched so many of my competitors and friends, you know, have their guard up at certain points because they knew that if, if maybe they say something wrong, that could be a selection committee sure, issue, sure, right? Sure. So, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going around in no, a circle here, but this is like, this is what we're up against a little bit is maybe this film will help show these personalities for who they are and what they are without yeah. that kind of standard canned response we always see in sports. Like, oh, I give 110%. Sure. Because that's so often what the media is used to hearing from women. Yeah, but I mean, that's at a certain it's point dangerous. they know what those people. The the sad fact is that there's more uh, mediocre ham and egg people who. Yeah. So if you're gonna try to get the most eyes, you have to cater towards mm-hmm. those people. So sometimes a. Uh, I don't want to say complex, but a, a more um, jagged personality doesn't always. You're right. Doesn't always. Doesn't always work, even though there's a a group of people who like really appreciate. Right. Like I always appreciate it. Like when a rider says something completely, even if I think it's completely wrong or ridiculous, like I'm still infinitely happy that they said it out yeah, loud. Yeah, they said it, and I was just <laughs> like, oh, that's. That's hysterical. Yes. Like, okay, that's a person who just lost their mind, and I appreciate that they lost their mind. Like, um, was that uh, Lizzie Armistead or whatever mm-hmm. called Fat McQuaid a dick? Or was oh, it, it was uh, Chloe Hosking, I believe. Well, yeah, yep. she's called Fat <laughs> I know. And it was wonderful. Oh, it was I mean, brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. To it watch, was... I sat back and watched that media unfold around, like, you know, the, oh, look what she said, and, you know, the getting the fine or whatever it was she had to, like, all of it was crazy. And here's this, what, 20, 22-year-old girl who just spoke her mind. Yeah. And... What do you think the duty of the media is when something like that happens? Because, obviously, the... I don't know if it's easy story or juicy story is to say what's going to happen to her next. Mm-hmm. But, and I, okay, it's not the media's job to meddle or become part of the story, but it would. God, I wish it would sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> like in a situation like that, it would be if you could phrase it of like, how is the, UC, is the UCI going to, uh, uh, is the UCI going to seek revenge is the UCI gonna right. anything's gonna happen to her for saying this like yeah. 
should anything happen to her? She shouldn't be allowed to say this. Like, that's... kind of back up a rider. I know it's a dang- that's a really dangerous path to go down. Mm-hmm. You don't want to become the Drudge or Huffington Post, but right, you have to find that that medium that's going to work. But I I always feel in that kind of situation when you've got somebody that said something that's you know red hot in the media. Um, I think the best thing that you can do at that point is try to get an interview and print an interview with that person. So there's a context around. So there's a context. Exactly. So you're not... um, Just saying he's... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because we all know that the media is going to do that and take a sentence and... They take a sentence already. If you just give them one sentence. Exactly. (laughs) There you go. I did the work for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's, I mean, that's where I love the the interview tactic. And I watched and it wasn't done, you know, um, around around that. It was all the the context and a little bit of backstory, but I would have loved to have seen like an actual paragraph by paragraph interview with her. No, I'm sure it was just a throwaway line. But yeah, exactly. It's exactly. Like, she probably just laughed about it, like, oh he's a dick and they just threw, like And you know what, in every every cyclist you catch them at the end of a race or whatever sure, it is sure. and you're just you think you're just talking to somebody. You don't realize sometimes that there's a real it's not like she went up to a reporter and said, Excuse me, I'd like to give you a quote. Yeah. Are you right? Tell me when it's on. Tell me when it's on. Ready? Pat McQuaid's a dick. You know, she didn't do Let's that. Let's do a second one in case you deleted that. <laughs> Would you like to hear some inflection? I can do it in an accent. Pat McQuaid is a dick. <laughs> it's so taken out of proportion. And yeah. I think ultimately, if we really want to get all psychological, sure. let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. The blame comes back to us as readers. Yeah. You know, we are the ones that are really... You, you, like we were saying before, corporations, companies, yeah. they're not uh, evil necessarily. They're greedy. Yes. So, And they don't have a public duty to anything but clicks or whatever. And oh, exactly. I was talking to Neil Rogers about it, and he just he said, you know, like, if we post a story on... Um, women's domestic racing, women's racing, whatever. Or we post a story that we just have a headline that said Cavendish, diarrhea, doping, um, uh, Tom Bowen. He's like, the one probably because it's a wacky headline, so you'd have to click on it just because it's such a wacky headline. <laughs> but the fact is like that gets a gross amount of hits, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you do... The fans who, out of one side of their mouth, say, like, well, we want more women's coverage. And the other side of their mouth, they don't click on... They're not clicking on that. This other thing, or following them on Twitter, or whatever. It's just, like, mm-hmm. it's so lame. But, like, if you just follow these people on Twitter, and then the media looks and says, oh, this person has 40,000 Twitter followers. They, maybe they have a person... Maybe they're a personality right. that we could promote. Somebody that resonates... Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, oh yeah, we should. How many professional women do you follow? Two. Well, I'm one of them, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Of well, I just had to clear that up. Of so course. you and Katie Compton, <laughs> everybody else can eat shit. <laughs> wow, that's the greatest thing I've heard all year. Um, so, but you're so right. The whole concept of the clicking on stuff is just 
it's so interesting and it's I mean it's this modern day thing and I I've dealt with it in journalism where yeah. all of a sudden I can't have any articles over 800 words because that's what we've limited our brain capacity to supposedly is that remarkable you know and and have you considered snapchatting your articles <laughs> but here's the thing right it's also it's total crap because anytime you're reading something that interests you you don't care how many words it is Absolutely not. and in fact if anything you want to keep reading if it's Absolutely. good and it's the internet it doesn't have a like an end back cover like yeah. you can keep writing and there's nothing better when you're on a story that you're just I feel like it grabs me from the back of the head. Yeah. And I'm just so hunched over trying to get closer to the words. Yes. And you're like reading, how many pages is this? And you're looking forward to that. Yeah. Rather than like... Or when you realize it's the last page. Oh, it's devastating. I read... This has nothing to do with anything, but... <laughs> I read the story uh, in Rolling Stone about the one of the Matrix producers. He Or he one of the Matrix writers. Mm-hmm. And how he just totally got into uh, S&M and then decided to have a sex change <laughs> and all this stuff. And it was just, one, because I'd never even heard a rumor of this. And two, and it was like, it was like the most engrossing story. And I, I was on the plane reading it, like, and I remember, like, I was on the last page and I had to, like, sit up and I was, like, saving the last page. And, I mean, obviously that takes a lot of time to write that story yep. or stories like that. And, when you're online media, you don't have no. necessarily that kind of resource to put one reporter on it's... that. So what what could like the cycling fan do if he or she really is saying, I, I want more stories like this. I don't want um, mm-hmm. a three-paragraph rehash of a story that somebody else already did, right. uh, you know, about... Um, Tom Bowen's, you know, saddle sore or something. Yeah. Like, what I do think, they do? I think, you know, and, you know, hello, Neil Rogers, if you're listening, <laughs> that, that what we have to do is we have to start by hooking that audience the way that they need to be, you know, hooked in to something that's new. And I'm going to relate this back to tennis in, in the 70s. You know, reporters were not covering women's tennis because it was like they were interested in the sport at that time it was all about the controversy uh, you know of what billy jean king was creating and trying to do so it it i think that the same thing is where that's where we are for women's cycling in a way is right now we are going to have to put up a little bit with a a, a battle or you know a continuity of stories that um, might not be about the, all the races all the time because the first thing we have to do is introduce people to yeah. the sport yeah. and maybe it does take some of those you know those headlines that sure. um, are the ones that grab people's attention first yeah. and then when they're aware of of you know maybe the controversies that are out there in women's cycling and they'll say oh that's interesting now I want to tune in and you know hear more about the racing I didn't even know it existed but mm-hmm. you know I, I think that that's just kind of the way that it would go like um, you know the the women's ski jumping team that you've heard about maybe for Sochi mm-hmm. um, they finally the women got parody in ski jumping and they're going to have their shot in the Olympics and mm-hmm. that's awesome it's this big story of the winter olympics but nobody's writing about the actual ski jumping part they're writing about the women finally making it to that point um 
And, but they will, you'll see now yeah. it's going to be just like every other sport and they'll be covering the actual event itself. But I think women's cycling is in that, that realm a little bit too, where it's like, first we have to, um, prove to the media that we're interesting and then it'll settle. It'll settle and it'll be about the racing itself will be as interesting because we'll know the personalities a little bit more. How do you prove to the media by, by, uh, by grossing with the fans or with just yeah i mean you definitely have to you know kind of engross the fans but also neil rogers we have to put in more um more articles about uh just everything i mean they i really think vela news has done a better job this year i've you know on the twitter feeds you're seeing more women in the headlines um as as well you know yeah. uh but we can still do better i think and you know running um you know uh, what's the column in vela news where or whatever it is where they they ask different opinions of different riders oh, yeah, um, right, right. and you're getting sound bites and snapshots yeah. last I last month yeah you did you <laughs> okay so there are about six or seven guys and I think um, Evelyn Stevens had had a comment in there. So you know, six guys and one woman for that that section of the news. Could we bring that a little bit closer to you know? Try and try. Yeah, five and five. I don't know something. You no, know. Don't get up. <laughs> don't, want, don't want full control. All right. Next half. thing. No, we're gonna start at half, and then it's gonna go to six and five. See, and that's what you're scared of. <laughs> totally. I can't live in a woman-run state. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I love it. Now the podcast starts. Yeah. So let's see. Equal prize money. Mm. Four or against. Four. <laughs> that's surprising. Isn't that totally surprising? I know, but I'll tell you what. If we had this, if we were able to bring those sponsors to those events, yeah, we would have equal prize money. We'd be putting more in the pot for the men and the women. The pot's so fucking small. The anyway. pot is, is. I don't know why you would care if it was equal. <laughs> it's always. I mean, I'm not gonna wrap male riders out, but every once in a while you hear a guy rider say, "Well, they ride shorter distance or whatever," and then you just ask them what our cut was, and so they do the cut, and it's like. Oh, we made a uh, hundred and fifty dollars a piece, and you're like, "It's crazy, dude! Come on!" I know. Like, we're we ha we're on salary. This is side cash. Yep. So if we include women, let's say our cut goes down to ninety dollars. Really? <laughs> Can we just? Do you want to do sixty dollars just to move on? Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. It's always. It's it's always the short money motherfuckers who think of that stuff. It's always it's so incredible. Like, I've never been looking over a pile of like $50,000 in cash and then had somebody say, hey, should we split that up? It's always when you're, it's always when you're standing over a pile of $200. Exactly. And somebody's right? like, we're not splitting this. <laughs> who cares at this point? Uh, it's so refreshing to hear you say that because it's true. It is. It's like, I think if you get into, uh, I understand that it's a lifeline for some people at a certain point, but if you're getting in, if you're if you're getting by in a pro team on prize money, it, yeah, right? Yeah, we should we should not. No, I agree. It I should just be fifty fifty from the gate. Don't fucking ask questions. It's thank you exactly yeah. exactly because it's funny how not funny but it's crazy where we're not even anywhere in the realm of 50-50, you know, like, what is it, Flanders, where, like, the 
the men's win winner gets something like 70,000 euros and the, sure. the women get $1,500, right, you know, right. something I guess like I've seen that. more of the NRC stuff. But, oh, I, sorry, I, I NRC. guess I've never even thought of the, uh, the, the World big Cup stuff. stuff. Uh, yeah, the World Cup, I mean, I guess... Even that. I don't even know how that works, I guess... I think Emma maybe. Pooley says it best in our film. She's like, oh, yeah, sometimes we'd win races, and I'd win enough money to maybe buy a pair of shoes or a teapot, you know, and, and she was serious. That's so cute, a teapot. It's, so we actually, <laughs> we have her, her trophy collection, and it's this shelf of teapots in the film, and it's both really funny, and it's also really sad. And you're sure, just like, yeah. oh, my God, that's true. And, wow, what a splendid teapot collection. You know, yeah. here's our world champion. First, I need some Earl Grey. <laughs> exactly. Oh, English breakfast. Can I have some, can I have some <laughs> Earl Grey out of your tour Flanders? Thank you. <laughs> so which one's your Olympic kettle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this Olympic tea is horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess how would you do the 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 men's World Cups? I guess, because do those sponsors put in just for the men's race, or they put in for the women's race? Um, for the World Cup, you know, I I actually would have to check on yeah. how it divvies up for the World Cup. All I know is that it, yeah, it's not. Because like, equal. I think the sponsors like. So I was referring to NRC racing because mm -hmm. those often just have categories, right? And I guess in theory, the way to put more the why they put more prize money into men's racing was to make sure that some men men's teams come mm -hmm. but that's the prize money's gotten less and less every year where that kind of argument is not valid anymore so so like a first race a first year race they usually splash the prize entry right with a bit of cash to make sure teams come yes but no new races are about they're you know I love Redlands are great people they're nice people um you know but they're not increasing prize money. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just equalize it and just get it over with. Yeah, and I think that that's... I, I mean, like as a race promoter, it would be a great way to just end a headache. Like, yeah. Like, and I don't want to be perceived as a... You've seen that happen, too, on the mountain bike side, right? Yeah. The, like, epic rides and all of the, the races over there that are coming to the point of equality in, in prize money. It's all over the news, and, and I think that's that side of our sport is like, dude, we don't want to be lumped in with that crazy unequal stuff going on on the roadside. So we're going to have equal prize money, and we are going to shout it from the rooftops. Right. And sure enough, they're getting the sponsors that are going to come in and sustain it. So it's uh, you know we should we should be equally embarrassed in road cycling that yeah. that that's the state. You know. Do you get mad when they do the? And they get do the loophole like, oh, we pay equal mile per mile or whatever. That's oh that yeah, is, I mean that's, that's just crazy. exactly. It's it's crazy. It's it's an excuse, yeah. and it's somebody. I, I think it's like, do you really understand, you know, racing? And uh, my, you know, my guess is no. If people are really thinking along those lines, um, what do you think about when like Tour California does like the women's time trial invite only? Oh, oh, that's so, like, that's one of my favorite topics. It's, a, you know, a few of us in the Peloton refer to that as the show pony event because it's like, it's, we're, we're so happy on one hand that there is a, a time trial. That's great. <laughs> but then on the other hand, if it's invite only and you're not even, you know, and it, it's obviously very hand selected type of group that, 
like last year and in the past couple of years, they haven't even had a representative from every U.S. trade pro sure, team sure. in the U. So, but yet they'll throw in triathletes here or there to, yeah, you know, yeah. to shake it up or who knows who in that, yeah. you know. And it's so for me, I I recognize that maybe at one point it was a great starting ground. Like, hey, guess what? Year one, year two, have a time trial. But now we're, what, four years in that they've had a time trial and it's not grown. It hasn't become two or three or four stages. Yeah. And that's what it should be. It should have only been a time trial to open the door. Yeah. And then it should have grown. And um, that's what I fear. It's kind of like that mentality just of placating. we're placating you. You know, we're creating a uh, a women's sports site just for you. You know, and how unrealistic thing. is it to think um, for women to boycott? Ah, <sighs> uh, that's a. I love the idea. Like I just went to like Hollywood in my mind and what a great movie that would make you know? sure. but it's Keep in so mind, true my team is currently trying to get in the <laughs> so I'm definitely not posting this until after we know okay on that note yeah. no I I would love to see something like that happen in terms of a boycott um, you know because of, because of the message it would send is it going to happen we're better than this right we're better than this exactly if that is going to happen, it has to come from the best rider in that field initiating it. It has to be the Billie Jean King of that group. So Does women's cycling have like a patron now? Um, you know what? That's a great question. Uh, Does it need to be an American rider? Because then, you know, so many of the sponsors are American. It, a lot of the media's English. I gotta say, it would it would help. It would help, yeah. It, it would help, um, but it can't just be one. It would ha it has to be everybody all at the same time. So it's got to be Emma Pooley raising a fight in England, it, or Lizzie Armstead. She's really vocal now too, and it's got we got to have a few U.S. riders, you know. And um, <laughs> I'd love to do that job, but I don't stand on the podium the sure, way that sure. those women. You need somebody do. who can wreck havoc in a race. Yeah, and who's not afraid to say, "Yeah, hey, you know this what? Is this is bullshit, and we need that person to, um, to have that true voice come forth and, you know, so rattle I'm the cages." I'm skeptical when people say, um, when they say it's exposure, like, "Oh, how are we going to pay you? We pay you through exposure," mm -hmm. and that's I think that's the number one way they get artists, they get athletes, they get you for free. Mm -hmm. As they say, this is great exposure. Right. And it's like, well, that's that's just they're just taking this dream and just just duping. Like, how many times does the exposure thing work? It's like I think it's like winning the lottery. Right. Exposure is a lottery. It's not a it's not a business model. I totally agree. I agree. And exposure is not supposed to be the um, the final product. It's supposed to be you know okay a little bit of exposure to help get you to where just like you said you know the business model needs to be but to to kind of throw that out there and say okay let's have a time trial for women and you know what the prize for you is exposure yeah. and then how funny because then the event gets cut off from the tv <laughs> as you saw <laughs> like that was i mean thanks for the exposure that was awesome <laughs> and wasn't it uh God, I'm gonna have to release this after Torque California. <laughs> what was also too was that were they gonna do a 
prize list for how many men you beat. Oh, right. What the fuck was I- that? <laughs> I can't remember if that was last year or two years ago. Yeah. I think Kristen Armstrong was still racing, if, if yeah. I recall, when that... And we were all sitting there like, oh, my God, this is this is crazy. You yeah. know, no, our, it's good to put the sexes against each other. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> so, yeah, people can just hate it more, you know? That's, right. it was It was crazy. I mean, I can actually say that, sure enough, the last TT when Evelyn Stevens came in, she came in middle of the pack, yeah. she, you know, right around, was it just ahead of Jens Voigt? I think something like that. People will look at results. The, the yeah. people educated in cycling are like, oh, that's interesting. Where did that top woman finish? Yeah. But that's totally different than pitting the people against each other. Yeah. You know, because what we're trying to do is just prove that we, you know, we belong. Yeah. And, um, I think it's just a separate, if, I think it's a separate conversation. It's yeah. just like, okay, she beat these many men, but that's not going to necessarily make more people watch you. It's 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 a right. different. It's a factoid. It's not a, it's not a selling point. Right. It, it's yeah. it's true. It's like I mean, look at the marathon. You know, are yeah. you watching like the woman race the men? The man yeah. like that's not what you're I watching. Just, I just thought that would make an amazing uh, gambling angle side bet. Oh, totally! Like where would the woman <laughs> like in five place increments? Where is the first place woman going to be? Yeah. Holy that... shit! We got to get our own bookie. Wouldn't that? Let's be our own bookie. Oh, let's set that up. That <laughs> would be great. We're gonna be out of money so quick. <laughs> would we? Would we be out of money, or would we be able to like, you know, have an actual like domestic? I don't know yeah, I guess we'd have to learn Team. more. <laughs> I don't know how many people we could convince to take that bet. Could be interesting. I don't know. We've seen it, you know. Was it, it was a couple of years ago, Chrissy Wellington beat something like 50 out of the 80 yeah. men in, in at World Championships and triathlons. So it's like, yeah. if we were to educate people on taking that bet, there could be some uh, interesting... <laughs> side action. Interesting side action. Ooh, cool. I like it. <laughs> uh, if you had any advice to um, a junior female, uh, young under 23 female, and she's thinking, oh, maybe I want to put off college, maybe I want to, maybe I want to try this a little more seriously, just going through the ranks, what steps would you tell them to? Yeah, don't put off college. Okay. Don't, don't put off college. <laughs> you can do both. You can do both. We all know that it's so risky in any sport in terms of injury and illness and being here one day and not the next, you know. Yeah, and in, in road cycling, that's tenfold. So, yeah. heck no, don't put off college. But the great thing is is that is, um, I shouldn't say it in that kind of like, oh, don't do it. That's absolutely wrong. It's more like you can do both. It's not needed. It's not needed. Yeah. It's not needed. And if anything... Um, I think that now that we see this amazing growth in collegiate cycling programs, you know, happening slowly, but it's happening in the U.S., but that's where you can develop, you know, uh, or you should be developing too. Um, So, I mean, I'm from, look, I've been in this sport only seven years now, and I already feel like, you know, I'm the old generation, but when I started it, there were barely any college programs, yeah. you know, that were, and now we see all the growth there and soon we're going to see a lot more high school programs and, and all of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the women need to know that they, 
they can they can do both. But I think the men need to know that too. You know, we see uh, we have a youth cycling group here in Tucson, and um, it's every now and then you see the kids that are like, yeah, I'm you know they're fifteen years old and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna turn pro, I'm gonna turn pro, and that's how it's gonna be. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you you can do both of these. I think I believe. I don't know if I'm being completely naive on that, but. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's happened. It's, you just you just get a later jump at it. I mean, because yeah. men's cycling is definitely it's different. It's different. It's, um, there's a system set up to not go to college. Yeah, you're right. So it's. I mean, teammate this year, Chad Haga, went to college. He got on the pro tour. Mm-hmm. So it is totally possible. I know, and I have to kind of step back from that too because I realize it is. But I think very the problem is, is, is you don't give men's cycling enough credit. Like, <laughs> I feel like you're really kind of no. No, I feel like you kind of always put men's cycling down and thinking you're better than us. Oh, no. I totally love get men's that vibe. cycling. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Are, do you, are, did you ride the shootout? Did you used to train here when that was going on? I've done the shootout many a times. See, that's one of these great venues where, like, when I'm on that ride and I'm surrounded with these guys that are, you know, my brothers in the sport. and. Yeah. And it's the most amazing thing because I really, truly feel like accepted in yeah. the cycling environment. And so I just, I love my male cyclists. It doesn't come off of it. She's shaking her head right now. No, she's Shake. nodding. She's <laughs> nodding. <It's... laughs> so staying in college, anything else? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Um, for the women. Yeah. Okay. I think that, um, a lot of the current generation of, of domestic champions, you'll see that they're all coming from another sport background because, like we said, they didn't have necessarily a cycling program in high school or college. And so you're looking at, like, Allison Powers, the skier, you know, Evelyn, the tennis player. And across the board, all these women came from different sports. So I think there's something really, really beautiful and genuine about that. And... Where I guess where I'm going with that is um, for athletes that are getting into cycling, the younger women that are getting into cycling and coming from another sport, you know, um, my advice is always to, you know, be patient and know that if you're a strong athlete from whatever sport you're coming over from, Mm -hmm. then you really can thrive in this sport for a long time. And, um, you know, you can, you can be old like me and, you know, still, still make progress. And I guess that is also tied into the education side too, of, of trying to say like, look, you can have it all. And we're lucky on the women's side of the sport that you can grow stronger and older, which isn't always the case, you know, for, for, um, for some forms of athletics and other sports, but in cycling, it's, it's on your side. Yeah. And so take whatever background you come from and know that, you, you really can't apply that to cycling. Um, I'm trying to think too. I'm trying to think of what else, what else can I tell I you? Put you on the spot pretty good. You, you did. That was really, yeah. Thanks a lot. No. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of what else uh, we can, we can throw out there. That's, I will, I will totally edit out all this, awkward. all this, blah, yeah. the awkward pause. Only if you pause, I can't edit it. If, if you're talking, have I shut up once? This whole time? I don't think this I have. all staying in. Shit. You're going to look so silly. Oh, my God. Nobody's going to believe anything you're saying. Well, that's that's typical. That's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some more, like, fun, fun, fun stuff. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> but, yeah, that, 
<laughs> I would be completely disjointed seeing as I just hate men cycling so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. I'm so terrified that sarcasm doesn't translate well. Uh, my audience knows me. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good. Um, yeah, I was... Yes. I can tell you, like, I'm completely, like, um, nervous and wired and, like, uh, just kind of... Your movie's coming out soon. Yeah, it's coming out January 29th. We're going to debut here in Tucson. Wow. Yeah, we're going to have our kind of opening night. And I did that totally on purpose to have it in Tucson. Like a screening? Yeah, right. yeah. So that we could, you know, I could kind of pad the audience with friends to make it a very, like, gentle yeah. baptism into this world of, sure. of film. But I'm completely, like, you know, it, it's just this weird... Um, entity that I haven't dealt with before it's very different from like say publishing an article right yeah. now it's like your your face and all of your friends are are out there and they're on the screen and um it's it's I stand behind everything that's in it and I sure. think that we you know we were able to make something that's that's good but it's the weirdest feeling to uh how long did it take for you to make the movie? it was um well we we had 30 hours of footage and this summer we began piecing it together into movie form. So it's been, you know, it, the whole project has been two years to this point, but, uh, it's been, you know, the, the most eye-opening journey in terms of going from all the footage that we had. And, you know, we were on a pretty tight budget for this. It was completely crowdfunded, yeah. crowdsourced, just donations from like, you know, friends and family, that's great. But I was, I couldn't believe when we started getting donations from strangers yeah. that were basically saying like, we want this movie. We want this film on women's cycling to what happen. What was your budget? Gosh. Yeah. So we, we had to do two rounds of fundraising. The first one was to make basically the trailer okay. to show the world what we wanted our film to be. And then the second one was actually the budget to make it. And we ended up crowdsourcing, um, over $70,000. Wow by the time everything was, was done. And we're talking about donations coming in across the world that were, you know, $25 sure. here and there. And it was riveting to see yeah, yeah. that like people wanted a film on women's cycling. Must be nice. You wake up and you see like a couple more donations, you get a little charge. Every yeah. Time. Oh yeah. And you know, I think there's something within cycling personalities. We have that kind of addictive trait and quality. Sure. So, you know, I'd be checking every day, okay. like yeah. <laughs> every day. You were checking every couple of hours. Yeah, you're. So, oh my god, every every ten minutes on some of those refresh, days. Refresh, 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 and be like, oh good, we got a, a donation. Wait, it's been ten minutes. Have we gotten another one? You know, and it's it was uh, just crazy. You yeah. know, an addictive thing to see. Um, you know, that kind of support rolling in. And uh, we, you know, so our, our goal was to finish the film. And much like any other film that comes out in any genre, we're hitting the film festival circuit, or I should say we, we've entered um, something like 30. So far we've gotten three um, acceptances, and it's kind of rolling through the year. Sure. So we are headed to... Uh, Fargo, North Dakota. What? Fargo Film Festival on March 4th. Um, but before that, we have the Richmond Film Festival in Virginia. Okay. Road Worlds. Yeah. Yep, 2015. Um, so we were really excited about that to see that they yeah. kind of got the connection. 
So uh, Richmond 2015, um, or Richmond, you know, March 1st, and uh, then we got an acceptance over in the UK, in Sheffield, England. So that's, we're, we're kind of like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. And the coolest thing is we got picked up by a distributor. Hmm. And that, I'm totally learning about the film world. So yeah. the distributor is to film what a publishing house is to books. Yeah. So if you want to get your film seen by the world, yeah. you, you're going to need a distributor. And they broker the deals with, first with theaters and then with like iTunes and Netflix and, yeah. and DVD sales yeah. and all of that. So, um... That that happened, which showed us like, wait a minute, this is great. People actually see that this is more than a you know a cycling film. That this yeah. is maybe a movement, or yeah, 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 yeah. there's something to to take from it. And um, if you if you need like one of those quotes for the jacket cover, <laughs> will you do it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would I'm love really good that. at marketing like one-liners. Okay, stuff, right like, right now, what would you say off the top of your head? This movie is like dipping your balls in a frying pan of awesome. <laughs> I took a drink. How great was it that you're drinking water? I saw you drinking water. That's <laughs> how my mind works. I saw you drinking water and I was like, say something awful. So she chokes on water. That is yeah. so fantastic. That could be the lead yeah. tag. Like, <laughs> like dipping your balls in frying pan of awesome. Because then it'll kind of be like funny, like, this is a movie about women cycling, but this guy's talking about his balls. And that's what we need. Need to include men. <laughs> That's exactly no, right. No, she still haven't invited me to the January 29th thing. Are you here? Yeah. Oh my gosh, please come to the show. I feel like I forced you into it. Not at all. <laughs> I thought you were just here for like the this week. I didn't know you were staying till then. You got to come to my team launch on the 20th. Yeah. Okay, so this we'll is trade. now we've mutually invited each other yeah. to these events on the yeah. 25th. The 25th. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my God! This is so exciting. This is men cycling, women cycling, working together. Working together. Oh, I love it. This is perfect. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Would you ever, for a race, um, if Marion Vos were available to race and be a domestique on your team for a day, would you do it? I'm like to hire her for the men's team to yeah. put her in squatter. Put her on, yeah. Put her on. Oh, squad. I would totally squat her. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, no problem. Yeah. I love it. I would feel like. I mean, I would hope that it would be a better... No. <laughs> Wait, I'm... I'm totally editing the part out. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I would totally... Uh, I totally... I, I wouldn't want her to do a, a disservice by calling her, like, a domestique or anything like this, but if there was some kind of trade program in the UCI where you could allow a woman onto your team for races, I think it would be tremendous, yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to tell her you said that. We're going to get her over. If she comes to the States, I'd be happy to find Can her. she be here for the 25th for your team launch? You got an extra kit? <laughs> I got a couple kits. I got a couple kits. I got some bikes. I think she's probably pretty kitted up. I think she's pretty good to go. She's good to go. She's good to go. But if she wants to uh, fly here, she's more than welcome to uh, be on my podcast. <laughs> That's me giving to her. <laughs> If she beats Katie Compton at Worlds, okay. I'm probably going to have to put her off a couple weeks. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, that's... that's... Uh, if she gets second to Katie, she's welcome anytime. That's going to be she, a showdown, huh? If she beats Katie again, <laughs> probably going to give her a cold shoulder she doesn't know about because she doesn't know my, she doesn't know I exist. But I'll be totally <laughs> giving her the cold shoulder. Uh, yeah, no, it is going to be a good showdown, but Katie's beaten her more this year than um, the previous years more regularly and uh yeah i don't know 
I, I'm a firm believer in the jinx. So I feel like if you talk about it long enough, uh, you know, a higher entity will see you enjoying yourself and stop you. <laughs> so it's better just to not, you know, uh, wake it up. Just carry on. We'll leave the entity sleeping. Right, Let right. sleeping entities lie. Exactly. Okay. That's, that's good. But that's so cool, Mike, that you're, a, you know, a fan and supporter and you've done such great stuff having the, so many women, you know, talk on the program. And Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah, I'm not like a, I'm not. I'm not like necessarily a woman. I'm not. You're not a woman. No woman advocate or whatever. I'm not like. I'm, I just think that. Uh, I think there's both sides are kind of. Because I just want cycling to be popular. Yeah. That's the only thing I really care about is that I like cycling, mm-hmm. and I don't want um, women to be perceived as uh, wanting a handout. Right. And I don't. Um, I don't want men to be perceived as, especially male racers, as being exclusionary or not wanting women to get equal or better treatment. And I feel like there's like that, because Lauren Hall was over earlier today, and uh, you know we go back from Optum, and she was just relating the side story of um, time trial worlds, team time trial worlds, and you, they didn't have wind trainers to warm up on. Hmm. They had to beg for wind trainers. But the, our men's team had wind trainers. And you could see, like, she was kind of giving me, like, a sly smile about it. And it puts the men racers in weird positions. Because we're not put into a room and said, uh, hey, we have eight wind trainers. Should we not give the women any? Yeah. And we say, we raise our hand and say, like, yeah, of course. Let's not give the women any. Like, <laughs> we're... We don't even know that the women are... Because, again, as an athlete, you're so entirely self-engrossed. We don't even know that the women are missing stuff. We don't know that they wouldn't have wind trainers. And it's only natural human reaction that you're going to resent people who have stuff that you don't and you rightly deserve. Mm -hmm. So it's... uh, I think you you totally hit the nail on the head with that. Is that I, I actually think, you know, all the women that I talk to... They they think the guys are great. They don't feel any animosity from the from the male racers yeah. ever. I mean, we really do consider you brothers and training partners, and yeah. you know, within the sport itself. Um, I think if if we're gonna find fault, it comes from an administration side, and I don't mean you know, okay, the captain of a, of a team. I'm saying way high up. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the like the good old boys network that we've talked about. That's where you know the change has to happen. How do we get a girl, good old girls network set up? Like, well, exactly. Like a, a standalone. Okay, that's male racing. You guys do your male racing. We have this whole other network set up with women administrators or pioneers. It doesn't have to be exclusive women, but mm-hmm. people who take care of women's racing, women's racing only. Like, how does that happen? Well, I think we have to be really uh, careful there in the sense that a lot of people think that okay. To make it equal, we just have to throw a bunch of women into those positions. And I think that can often backfire because just because somebody is male or female doesn't mean that they align with the thinking of you know sure. progress, right? I know so many wonderful, progressive male um you know, people in the cycling world, male they're people, just <laughs> they're totally, they just want something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to 
We're not asking you for your Snapchat name at the same time. <laughs> no, I support women's cycling, so. <laughs> That's so fucked up. But, but yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, you know no, what I'm I get, saying. You don't want to create a clear divide. Right, because there are, I've, I've also known plenty of, of women that are not progressive or they're not seeing, you know, the fact that, that yeah. they can move a, an entire gender forward. So what we need is to, to think about having those, the people that are in power just be progressive, whether they're male or female. That said, I think it's great that Tracy Godry is VP. Yeah. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> okay. I did know that. So Tracy's VP, right, of, yeah. of the UCI, which is fantastic. I think it, I don't know her personally, but I know she was a racer. And for me, that says something of, okay, here's a woman that has quite literally been in our bike shoes and she yeah. knows what, what it takes to, to, you know, thrive or not thrive at this level. So that's great. But you know, what if Cookson had thrown someone into VP that was female, but not, you know, knowledgeable about the sport or, or from those angles, just because she's female, that's not going to save us. So that's not going to work. Right. So it's, um, it's one of those things that we have to kind of always, I'll run for, I'll run for like, like as soon as Tracy's out, then I'll run and I'll I'll kick ass. (laughs) Okay. That's so awesome. I don't know if people actually run for B for VP. I think you should. I'm going to be the first one to, I'm going to start a whole campaign. Oh man, go right for the top. I would vote for you for UCI president. I think it's it's never really good to be in charge because you're always in the criticism. I think you just want to be worn away from in charge. Okay, so you want to be. It's always sometimes it's it's like uh, Democrats and Republicans. It's always good to be the one that's not. It's always good to be the like the out of party. The out of party. Because then you can always point at the presidents and point at all the things <laughs> that are going wrong. It's better to criticize sometimes and be. To be second in command. So. Because then you know people are mad at me, and then I could just give them the like shrug and like the silent thumb to the like it's not me, it's this guy. It's that guy, but yet you're like working behind the scenes, like for the overthrow. Yeah, I'll be corrupt, but in a good way. Oh, positive corruption. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that (laughs) whatever moves it forward. (laughs) Positive corruption. You heard it here first. Well, well, thank you for doing the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. That was so much fun.